0: To the So Wizards podcast. This is our Thanksgiving edition. The 11 and 6 Wizards uh, struggling a little bit of late. It's been a little while since they looked good, but uh, I'm joined here to uh, celebrate Thanksgiving with my podcast co host, Ron Oaks Cunningham. Ron, good to Happy. talk to you again, man. Yeah, man. Happy early Thanksgiving. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, well, yeah, it would be great if the Wizards would join us in celebrating. Uh, They've been a little bit of, you know, in every NBA season, every team goes through their little feasts and famines. And it would be great if they were going into Thanksgiving on more of a feast side. But they've lost three of their last four. And it's been a little while since they've they've actually looked good, I think.
1: I'm just thankful we're not, you know, one in ten or something along (laughs) those lines. Like, there have been dark days here, so... If you put, like, the thanks in perspective of where you come from to where you are now, then it's a lot to be thankful for. But, yeah, I'm with you. You know, that hot start, all the trash talking that I had built up, you know, all the jokes I have laying around just waiting to come out. It would have been nice if we would have went into the Thanksgiving break at, I don't know, 14 and... 14 and three, or something like that. First in a division, first in a conference. What such is life?
0: Yeah, um, they did steal a win against the Heat. That was that was a nice death, yeah. just hitting the hit hitting a few threes. Yeah, and um, they at least have um, a couple of get well games on the schedule, uh, coming up. Uh, the, the Pelicans Wednesday night, and then the Oklahoma City thunder on friday night and both of those should be wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have to get those, right? It's crazy. We're in a must-win situation. Not because the team is bad, but we think we're good, oh, at least. I mean, I think we're 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 a good bunch of uh out of that mediocre grouping. Like so you know, yeah. when you have like mediocre products, we're like mediocre plus one, mediocre and a half. And it okay. was a good thing. So it a must-win. Yeah, we have to beat these bum teams who are clearly tanking.
0: Yeah, and especially that, that one Friday night. So the Pelicans, they should whip, right? They should just clobber the Pelicans. Well, I remember last time. Yeah, it shouldn't be close. I mean, they, they did win the last time, but it should not be close. Should not and then Oklahoma good. City Thunder It would be really good if they could just stomp on the Thunder early. And um, let their main guys get a you know Montrezl Harrell especially get some rest in the fourth quarter because they've got the Mavericks Saturday night back to back. Yeah, um, and that should be a tougher game.
1: Yeah, that, that yeah I, I'm agree with you. The only thing is I feel like so this is how like an like an optimal situation it plays out. We cream roll as you say um, the Pelicans, right? We cream roll mm-hmm. them tomorrow, and then when we play OKC. I just think, like, the offense will be clicking. Uh, we'll, we'll have our confidence up. We'll have our swagger back for, you know, getting back in the win column. But in Oklahoma City, there's there's one guy who can disrupt all of that offensive, like, brilliancy. Mm-hmm. That's Lou Dort. <laughs> like, yeah. Lou, the, whoever he's on. Like, if he starts out on Bill, which I assume he, he likely will. Um, so he guards Bill. He has the ability uh, to take him out of the game. And as you've seen, if Bill can't get activated and getting us going, likely we're gonna lose. I mean, KCP and Dinwiddie and Trez, they do their thing, but we, we need Bill to to like set the tone because I just don't trust like anyone else to pick up uh the scoring early on if Bill doesn't have it. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But that's what I fear.
0: Yeah, um the big thing that it has to be – a little worried is it's, it's become too much of a trend, really. And that is that their offense is is becoming a bit of a concern. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. One is they, they're they missing lots and lots of open shots, right? Well, yeah. I, lots and lots of open shots actually isn't all that accurate because they don't get that many off, open shots. They're dead last in the league at creating open looks. And um, they're towards the bottom and converting those open looks. So, yeah they've been able to, they were able to sort of win games and do well by making contested shots. And that's not a recipe for a long-term good offense. You know, that's not the way you have a good offense over the course of a, of a game. I mean, uh, over the course of a season, um, no, I'm, you know, I'm the, with you. yeah. And so the way, you know, Ben Taylor, who wrote the book, uh, thinking basketball, he's got a great podcast and the video channel and Patreon and, Probably you can vend my own money. I'm sure he'll take it. Um, but he talks about like, uh, it, it, Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz coach calls it uh, advantage basketball. Ben calls it uh, power plays. But basically the idea is that uh, the whole reason that you run actions, that you run screen roll and that kind of stuff is to try to get two defenders on one guy or, you know, uh, a defender out of place. So you've got a defender on one guy and then you've got another guy out of position and then you get an open look and the reason for that is that guys shoot better when they're open right yeah and um the wizards don't do that they they don't get the power plays they don't get advantages and they don't get the open looks and yeah that's a problem
1: yeah it is and like even observing it for you know like the naked eye view without the analytics behind it like when you when you watch it you just see pass pass around the horn all around the perimeter, no, you know, I mean, sometimes, again, the first time in Charlotte, we would do, like, some, some deep post passes to uh, Gaffer, and he went off, but, you know, we stopped that once he had a few turnovers, um, mm-hmm. on, because, you know, he's not, he's not familiar with being uh, that go-to post-up guy in the NBA where he has to make plays out of doubles, but yet, like, just looking at our offense, it's just swing, 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 swing five seconds left someone tries to create a shot if it's Aaron holiday and uh, Neto they'll probe you know they'll probe and try to get one of those off-balance runners or something like that to go everyone else is it's a three-point shot and by everyone else you mean like Denny uh, Dinwiddie uh, bill mm-hmm. well bill can get downhill as well but um, mm-hmm. Kuzma uh, KCP is like step backs side steps you know, long three-point shots, as if we're the Golden State Warriors, and a perimeter-based uh, shooting attack is our our best, you know, strategy, our best arsenal, and it's it's clearly not, you know. So I'm not surprised that, uh, like what your numbers suggest, like the you know the play on the court confirms, like we we don't get open shots. Uh, it may seem I'm just gonna ruffle some feathers that we're missing uh, a dynamic playmaker who wears yeah. the number four because I'll be I'll be interested in um uh, well you know where we we could use him too both you know bullet, bullets legends uh you know dynamic yeah. playmaker to do that because I'll be interested to know what the numbers were in terms of last year getting open shots and it did seem that Russ would um you know get a lot of open shots for guys and, and I'm just not seeing this year that this year. yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I, I haven't looked at those numbers recently, but I do recall them. They got a fair number of open looks. And, you know, some of that was Russ, of course, and some of that was Beal. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that's happened with Beal is, you know, the, with the way that the officiating has changed, it's I think it's impacted Beal quite a bit. Uh, last season, he was at about uh, almost 10 free throw attempts per 100 team possessions. This season, he's at 5.8. He's, you know, striving. He's just not getting calls like he did before. And some of that, I, I mean, I don't think that's because he's really playing all that differently. I think it's just that the officiating has changed. And so when the defenders go straight up and, you know, the offensive player jumps into them, they're not calling those fouls. And uh, that's that's impacting Bill as much as as anybody in the league this season.
1: Yeah. So, like, what 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 is Bill? Last time I checked, he was a sh- uh, hair under twenty four a game. Was he above that? Like, do you have those numbers? Like- oh, I I don't know,
0: look at per game stats, but um, he okay. he uh, he was. Uh, let's see. He, this season so far, he's at about thirty three points per hundred possessions. Last season, he was. He was higher than that, um, but okay. the big thing is, is that his efficiency is down. Yeah, um, you know, way down compared, so, especially so. as compared to league average. He's he's down around, you know, ninety-eight points per hundred possessions last season. He was, which is about, let's see, that's about nine points per hundred possessions below league average last season. He was uh, about three points per hundred possessions, better than league average.
1: So yeah, it's a big so difference. The free, yeah, the free throws are are like impacting him. But it's, it's crazy, right? Because a lot has been made about um, the new changes in people's game. Like, I mean, the new changes in the uh, officiating of the players, right? Like, but mm-hmm. to me, it takes me back to the basketball I fell in love with. You know, the if you're going mm-hmm. to score 30, you earned those 30. Like, you put on a world-class performance, not that you were aided by 15 uh, trips to the free throw line. So it has done that, and... I guess like the the deeper thing it has done for me is reveal who players really are, because before this, like I mean, you say like Bills down um, about ten free throws uh, per per one hundred possessions or something like that. So it was like, mm-hmm. maybe this is who he truly is. Like he's a twenty. If you, you don't look at points per game, but he's a twenty-four. <laughs> he's a twenty-four point per game score. You know, a hundred uh, points per you know, those possessions, like, maybe that's who he is, and that's not bad. That actually gives credence to those of you who say he's not the star. Like, he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a, a, a star you can, you build, like, a star that, you know, go joins other stars, but he's not the main attraction. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this is what these numbers can help, because, like, now that you say that, I'm interested to see uh, what Spencer Dimwitty, uh was last year and what he has this year, because uh, prior to to him joining the Wizards again, I had vaguely watched the Brooklyn Nets. Like I recall, mm-hmm. um, you know, some games like seeing like, hey, uh, Kenny, was it Kenny Anderson was their coach? Oh, Kenny Atkinson? Kenny
0: Atkinson,
1: Kenny Atkinson was their coach. Like, hey, this this young coach, New Yorker, he's he's leading this bunch back out of you know purgatory, i.e., overcoming the uh, the Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry, Paul Pierce trade to Brooklyn. <laughs> I was like, okay, so. So you watch it, and also uh, Alan Crabb with Berkeley Bear was uh, on the team. So you, you watch it vaguely. And it's like, okay, this young Dinwiddie can hoop. He's a big guard. Mm-hmm. And now I'm watching him with the Wizards. It's like, I don't see him driving as much, perhaps, because mm-hmm. he can't get the foul calls. Uh, I see his game being primarily per- perimeter-based, like him shooting up. Um, I don't know the numbers, but it, it seems that like he pulls uh, a lot of threes per game at least over 6-3 or close to 6 threes per game. And maybe, you know, that's something to look at without the free throws, without the, you know, added free throws, the inflated free throws, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> the, like, what we have, the data that we have, is reflective mm-hmm. of who these players really are.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And in Beal's case, I mean, it'd be interesting, too, to see what happens if he... You know, started shooting better than, say, 30% from 3 point range or 29%, whatever the number is right now. With Dinwiddie, um, he, your, your observation that he's driving less is well taken because his last healthy season in Brooklyn, he averaged 26 drives per 48 minutes. So that's pretty relentless, right? He's, he's going to the hoop yeah. a lot. This season, he's down to 18. That's about a 31% drop in drives. And his free throws, though, are down from over 10, 10.6 10. per 100 possessions with Brooklyn that last full healthy season. And this season, he's at 4.2. So nice. we're talking about being down more than 60% in free throw attempts. Now, he makes up for a little bit because he basically makes every free throw that he takes now. But And he, he does seem to be a better shooter than he was, but... Um, he, because again, go back to that last full season at Brooklyn. He was at nine point five threes per hundred possessions on thirty point eight percent shooting. This season, he's at nine point six. So he's taking about the same number of threes, but he's shooting thirty six point eight percent. So that's that's a decent percentage. Um, but his overall field goal percent, field goal attempts are down. Um, so yeah. he's getting to he's getting into the lane a lot less frequently. Less frequently than he was, and um, so what? Interesting as well. By the way, his turnovers are down, so he's maintaining efficiency, and he's his usage is still pretty, you know, above twenty percent. It's just he his mix of shots. He is taking more threes as a share of his shots, mm-hmm. and far fewer free throws because he's not driving as much.
1: Yeah, and. You know, like so, a lot of folks. Well, to the folks who do uh, put stock into you know just the raw numbers, uh, averaged over the total amount of games and minutes played, like some folks will, like some folks viewed him as a twenty point per game scorer, thinking he mm-hmm. can uh, raise that and at, like with Washington, that that number will go up as a you know a better shooter than what we previously had, man, in a point and. Now, like when you look at it, like for getting back to how the new officiating can really reveal who these players are, like no one will be surprised if you told me a six-six point guard is a fifteen-five and five guy. You know, mm-hmm. like that will be like, okay. That's decent. You're getting fifteen-five and five. Okay, I like that. You know, Tyreek Evans gave me twenty-five and five as a rookie, but you know, fifteen-five and five is like pretty decent out of my starting point guard. The thing is. I wouldn't really have realistic expectations of uh, achieving much if that was the production that my point guard um has, like has given me because uh for some like guards and wings this is their leak. like big men have been outlawed you know shooting guards like so is guards and wings wherever you fall at in that spectrum right you know you'll be a point a point forward still listed as a you're still a wing you can be a combo guard you're still a guard right so um you you wouldn't really expect like anything spectacular out of um, a team whose second best player, by some accounts, as a fifteen five and five guy, yet, mm-hmm. you know, we came in here thinking like this dude was getting twenty points per game. He was getting twenty and seven, not playing with someone of Brad's caliber. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, you know, like yeah. so all of these things get like so that's. Like, it's interesting you, you bring that up because, like, now my mind is down a rabbit hole of, like, what if this is truly who he is? And that, that's no knock to him. Like, what he is is, like, phenomenal. What he's overcome, uh, we got to put a qualifier on this. Um, he is a calendar year removed from um, an ACL injury or oh, a right. knee injury, a major knee injury, right? So, like, <laughs> driving, perhaps, like, the confidence uh, may take, like, some time to, to come back the conditioning getting uh, re acclimated to, to basketball, at like angles, shifting your body at those, like, uh, those positions that you need to do in order to beat the best athletes in the world. So that, that is potential, like possibly so, but I, you know, I, I'm just gonna, I just think based on what I see, I, I don't think he like the free, I don't think the officials are going to change their approach. Um, I think the numbers will stay down. Rightfully so. We we had people starting saying, you know, um two things. They were saying Bill is better than hibachi. I disagree. But the numbers the numbers don't aren't in my favor. And they were having like Actually, danger.
0: uh the, the the I would say that the numbers between Arenas and Beal would put them probably at about the, like the same overall level.
1: Okay, fair enough. So very the similar. Might, cause- okay. But, but, yeah, oh, that would be Charlie fun, Perry. though, seeing
0: Gilbert play in this era. In this oh era. yeah, like
1: mm-hmm. well, well, last year's era, like this, we may be charting a new, um, new territory now. But if yeah, he he played, if Gil played twenty. Let's see, when did the free throw start? Um, let's say twenty fourteen to twenty twenty, or twenty fifteen to twenty twenty to make it a five year yeah. gap. Yeah, he's going off. But um, yeah. anyway, more to the point, we had people saying, you know, like like. Brad is better than Hibachi, and James Harden is better than Chris Bryant and Jordan, and all of this based on the inflated numbers. Where this is now, we're seeing players revealed for who they are, and um, for me, I view it as like Al starting point guard, is a uh, three-point heavy guy who has to rely on that perimeter shot to get going. In other words, he's a uh, he's Bertans with an Afro and athleticism. <clears throat>
0: For <laughs> with an Afro, yeah, he should Bertan should maybe try that. You know, maybe he'll be like, uh, "You ever see the movie Fletch?"
1: Um, Fletch.
0: It's probably before your time. You're 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 a little younger, but yeah if you if you ever have like a day where you're homesick or you know something like that, you don't feel like doing anything, look for Fletch starring Chevy Chase. It's a goofball movie, but there is a scene. He's a big Lakers fan in the movie. And there is a scene where Fletch has a dream, and he he has a dream that he he's playing for the Lakers, and he's introduced as like six foot three, six nine with Afro. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, <laughs> that that would be Davis uh, if they if they transfuse if they transfuse if they morph together. But no, that's yeah. that's like a joke, I, I guess. Like, and I mean no disrespect to like Dinwiddie, It's just if we're not getting downhill production. And drawing a fouls from like our point guard, then we're right. not doing what you said, like primarily, mm-hmm. uh, which is good basketball, creating those yeah. counterattacks. Like, you need that dynamic guard to draw to. Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. in any sport, like any sport that involves movement, uh, teamwork to put something to a goal, you need to draw. Another player to get that advantage over, yeah. you know, that slight second. Hence, pick and rolls just give you a slight second to to get that advantage. And yeah, so far, exactly.
0: Uh, and then, so with Dinwiddie, it's to me, it's it, it's it, it's very interesting because for a few reasons. One is he is coming off that knee injury, and that's something that we we can't know how much that affects him. And even if he's like a hundred percent physically healthy say his leg is just as strong as it was before and in theory you know he he has all the same explosion that he had before which I don't really see that I mean he seemed quicker and more powerful pre-injury than he does now but even if he has all that there still is that mental aspect of the game of being able to rely on that and, and that ligament rely on that leg that and, and have confidence that it's not going to blow again. Right. And well, he didn't blow it. I mean, he partially tore it, but still, you get my point yeah. in that there still is that confidence. I mean, I know from my own history with injury that, you know, coming back from a dislocated knee, a very serious injury was, was hard. It took a long time. And I never really got back to where I was fully probably because I didn't have like the great training. Also, I didn't like, you know, go after it the way these the NBA players do in terms of rehab but still the point is that it takes a while before you start trusting that yeah, injured leg again. Yeah,
1: no yeah. 100
0: percent 100%, 100%. But the the other thing with Dimwitted though is that I feel like in some ways like the deal that they made for him, the you know the the way that they acquired him the amount of money that he got, the you know 20 plus million per season, that that kind of thing that Fans, and maybe even the team, kind of overrated what he was doing before. You know, he 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 was a good player, solid player, but nothing spectacular. Like, not even, not all-star, not borderline all-star.
1: 15-5-5. Yeah. Um, and and
0: th- yeah, just, and before the, the knee injury, I mean, before, yeah, before the knee injury, we're talking about, um, you yeah, know, like you say, 15-5-5. Five five. He, he was a good player, but he wasn't, like... Outstanding, and so when he came to the Wizards, in the first like couple weeks when they were really winning and they looked great, and he was putting up big numbers, he'd never played that well before, and uh, so it it almost is now starting to feel a bit like one of those like hot starts, you know, that first game back or the first little bit back when you from injury you play great, and then it's like as the grind goes on, the 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 player starts taking a bit of a step back. Yeah, um, and it might be there might be some of that happening too until he can sort of get reacclimated to the grind of the
1: NBA season. So you're saying he had his uh, Thanksgiving feast during yeah. opening week, and now he's running on fumes. Well, yeah, he, I mean, okay.
0: if you look at that, th- those because um, what was it? Um, looking back at the schedule, he they
1: they he cooked he Indiana.
0: zonked, yeah. zonked in that. Um, that uh, yes. Charlotte game. Then he took off the Miami game that they lost mm. and came back, and he was a little bit better in that second Miami game. But last night, again, he, he, looked he was bad. really passive. Yeah. And he looked, he looked tired.
1: He you know, looked bad. Maybe.
0: Probably not the greatest sign that he's he's tired 17 games in, but 16 games in, but, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that could also be uh – he can have the, the, you know, to stick with the wizard uh, just to uh, pull a Wizards theme, he can have the curse of the point guard's knee. Like here, like our oh, point guards always go kaput because they have knee issues and knee trouble. So um, it could be that. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like, obviously, as yeah, the season goes on, the muscle memory, uh, like, fires into, like, high gear and Doris yeah. picks up, you know the the, the world class training staff helps him out. Um, but yeah. I just feel I just feel like, in a sense, like again I've seen like wanting uh, the first like like what fifteen games or so. Um, I've seen I've seen like it, there's enough where you can like that is suggestive of a pattern. Like against smaller guards, he abused them, rightfully so. Abuse mm-hmm. every single matchup uh, disadvantage that you have, like. I'm I'm one hundred percent with if you sniff out a matchup, um uh, a mismatch, then forget the offense. Like let's expose that to they react to us and then boom, we're at the advantage. So he does yeah. that. I mean it's just you know, he has to like do things like hook Dennis Schroeder who's, you know, five, six inches shorter than him, so he still has to like yeah. he's not getting it cleaning off. But then I love I love the clutch three point shot making, like his clutch three-point shot making has contributed directly to two wins that I can think of off the bat: the Miami, yeah. Miami on Saturday, and the uh, opening home game against like Indiana. So I love mm-hmm. that. I just feel like at this point in his career, he's gone the Jason Kidd route, like where three-point shot attempts will be how he collects his points. The only difference being. I haven't really seen him as dynamic as a playmaker, as you know, uh, those yeah. players who solely rely on a point, or in uh, the Lonzo Ball fashion, that dynamic of a defender as well.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting, man. Uh, well, I was actually I was thinking of when you said Lonzo Ball, I was thinking Lamelo um, because I just watched him last night and. Uh, I, I, I he love cooked up. The kid play. He yeah.
1: cooked. So, quick aside, remember that coach uh, didn't want to start him at first? Um, used to give him five. <laughs> like, that dude should be fired off the strength of that. Like, you know, because that's some. Well, I think he already stuff. was, but yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that's still the same coach. That's, oh, is that's that still Melo's Borrego? Borrego, yeah, yeah. Borrego's still a coach. Like, yeah. LaMelo's play has, you know, made people forget about it, but I haven't because Lavar was going <laughs> to go down there like. You play my son three minutes, you make a mistake, you pull him out. And LeVar knows about that a lot because that stunted Lonzo's growth in L.A. Like, he wasn't allowed to, like, make mistakes mm-hmm. under Luke Walton simply just to shut the dad up, which is, you know, I uh, will save that for another part. But quick <laughs> aside, aside over, I just had yeah. to let that out.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny. Out of that one draft, by the way, uh, so I had Lamelo uh, num- uh, number one in that draft, and Tyrese Halliburton number two in that draft, and those are two of my favorite players to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, out of that one draft, one of them could have been with the Wizards. But yes,
1: uh, uh, we took Denny. Yeah no, one, yeah, no one, no one, no one will say that Denny's their favorite player from that class to watch.
0: Well, we there's a lot of there's a lot of people I think who who's Denny is their favorite. Um, like currently, But like I think no it's one... favorite, and nobody's going to accuse Denny of being, at least at this point, the best player from that draft. LaMelo is the best player from that draft.
1: What? Yes, right now. Like Car- like Edwards has some. They have to move Kat. You- you- what Edwards can do, we ha- well, we won't see until either he or Cat's on a new team. Because he's the star you build around. Like they're building around LaMelo. It's different situations, right? Like LaMelo. Hands down, you're you're Charlotte's best player. Like even Scary Terry has conceded that to him. Like you know, mm-hmm. nah, you you way better than me, boy. You nice go be it. Like Edwards yeah. and Towns, it's a you know clash of efficiency egos and you know I'm trying to think of another e word, but uh, <laughs> you know like that they they have a clash of that. Like I, I really do like right. I'm with you. I think it's I think it's Lamelo. But we really haven't seen uh, who who Edwards is. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And I said Carson Edwards. I didn't mean Carson Edwards. He meant Anthony, yeah, <laughs> Anthony man, Edwards. I mean, Edwards. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Edwards is way Lamelo way better than Carson Edwards. I,
0: mean, I enjoy watching Anthony Edwards play to a point. Um, he's really inefficient, and um, you know, so we'll we'll see. Um, I think Lamelo. When it's all done, I think Lamelo will be the best player from that draft, and um, I think Tyrese Halbert probably has a good chance of being the second best. Um, he's a I I I love the thing I really like about both of those guys is just that enthusiasm that they play. Yeah. those guys yeah. love the game, and the you know it's the stuff like at the end of that Charlotte game in Charlotte, where you know Charlotte was was going to win that game or they were closing in on the win or whatever that was. But they were just short of that hundred points, right? And obviously, it was one of those promotions where the fans get, you know, yeah. a free chicken sandwich or something like that. Yeah. And he's he's out there shouting, you know, jacking up the three to try to get that hundred points. And then he's encouraging the guys when they take them off the floor for the garbage time. You know, he's encouraging the garbage time guys to put up a three to try to get Give to the hundred points because
1: you know it's fun. And and he's a he's I, a showman. His father yeah. raised him to put on a show to entertain.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I love that about him, and I love that about like Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you know, you watch him throw pick and rolls, throw lobs for um, Holmes, Rashawn Holmes, out there, and I mean, he 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 gets more, he has more fun throwing lobs to to teammates than than anybody in the NBA.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 good, and I and feel like also, I again, I wouldn't be surprised if you're. If your uh, prediction comes true that he becomes the second best player in the draft, because with Luke Walton gone, I I soon feel they'll move away from from Fox and just turn it over to uh, the young the young boy out of Baylor uh, Mitchell, as well as uh, Halliburton, and that'll be a fun, fun, fun backup. It may even make uh, those like some of us who are like in the Bay Area travel up I-80 north to go to Sacramento. That's something yeah. no one would have said, you know. No one yeah. wants to go to Sacramento.
0: Yeah, we should have on uh, Ray LeBov, who does, he's a friend of mine from the um, Association for Professional Bass, Football History, APBR, whatever it okay. was. Anyway, um, but he's, he's a Sacramento guy. And uh, he's been talking to me for probably about two years about the need for Sacramento to move on from Luke Walton. And uh, he finally got his wish, so maybe we should have him on Talk Kings when the Wizards go out there.
1: Oh, yeah, Um, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's but, you know, the talk of uh, that draft, I guess that was last year's draft. Yeah, last year's draft. Um, brings us, of course, to Denny Avdia and the defense. And, you know, it's funny, we talked about the officiating before and the way that officials are calling games. So th- the idea is that it's supposed to be that if the offensive player initiates the contract, uh, contact, excuse me, that the refs aren't going to call it if the defender is like, you know, maintains verticality and is basically maintaining position. So the defender goes straight up, offensive player jumps into him, it's not a foul on the defender, right? That's um, seems pretty logical. the way that they're calling it in a lot of instances the defender doesn't get called for a foul, even if he's like body checking the offensive player um, as long as he keeps his arm straight up and that has been a great benefit to avdia, who gets who's getting called for fewer fouls because of it, um you know, where. Uh, th- there have been a few plays where he's done that chest bump thing that was a foul last season. This season, it's not a foul, and he's knocking guys around pretty good and controlling them with his chest. And so he, I think that's a part of why he's been a been a good defender. I would say part, but only part. You know, the big thing is, I think that he does have some good defensive fundamentals uh, on ball, where he's you know moves his feet well, he keeps his arms out of the way. He um doesn't go for fakes. He it does just does a great job of staying down. And then he also has some pretty good anticipation where uh think about that block. I can't remember who it was on, but where he jumped like a split second before the guy and beat him to the spot and knocked him, you know, blocked his shot. Oh yeah,
1: like um, yesterday. Yeah, I
0: th- yeah. He, he oh yeah, he did that to yeah, Gordon Hayward yesterday. Yeah, yeah he did it Hayward. against the Celtics. Oh, against uh, Jason Tatum,
1: I think. Against it was. Tatum, yeah. yeah. He fouled Tatum, yeah. but
0: yeah maybe that was probably one of those body fouls you know yeah but um you know that's the the kind of thing where you know the that's what he does well defensively he's still got some things that he could clean up, which is kind of fun because he's he's a pretty effective defender like you know he still gets gives up middle too much on on dribble drives and uh, his health defense is isn't necessarily the greatest um, I think he just needs a little more experience a little more Film to watch and a little more awareness, but I think that's all coming for him. I You know, he's not coming from like where Rui Hachimura was. I I had a conversation with a former Wizards coach, and um, I compared Rui's um, defensive awareness in help situations unfavorably to Nick Young, and he, the, the former coach said, "Holy shit, worse than Nick." Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, 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 he. I I, because I and then I told him about several plays uh, where you know you've got like offensive players literally just driving across his face where he was in a help position and you know he it was clearly his responsibility to help and he just never moved the guy just drove by him laid it in and uh, that kind of thing and you know so I I talked to that coach later and he he claimed that he saw what I was talking about so let's hope
1: uh, let's hope Wes. Cleans that up because you know we could. I don't know. Like that's that's weird. Like you you would expect Rui to uh, not be as dense as that, but perhaps that's you know born out of um, what Mark Few and them ran up at Gonzaga. Perhaps they were more zone heavy and didn't do health mm-hmm. defense. We know Scott Brooks and the concept of defense. Um, rookies like uh, Rui's rookie year. And even last year was uh, was flexible at best. So, um, like you know, let's just hope. Like if Wes, if because, for example, like what you say, um, when that's a great point. Like yeah, it, it's a one of those what's good for the goose is good for the gander situation. So it hurts us in the sense that mm-hmm. um, you know, Denny's numbers are down, Brad's numbers are down, but it helps us yeah. in the fact that Denny. And stand on the court, and it's able to, uh, I would say like, economically use his six fouls, whereas like yeah. last year he was giving them away, like he was giving them away, like willy nilly. Like now, like okay, if he fouls out, you know he locks some folks up on a couple of possessions. We've got a few of those lock, like that lock sign that he does. So that's a good thing. And I'm yeah. just interested to see if it will transfer to Rui because. Yeah. If Denny's doing that, like Rui's an athletic, like uh, athletic, like beast, right? Like, so he mm-hmm. should very well be able to move his feet, stay up, challenge high, you know, not get caught with his hands down, and we'll see. And bumping people, like if the Denny bump yeah. not get Hayward um back some a bit, that uh Rui bump probably would have cost a turnover. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe so. So, Uh, You know, and what I'm talking about, you know, was help defense, and we'll see what Rui is like when he gets when he's able to get back. He's uh, apparently going to start practicing with the Go Go, and uh, he he's done some participated in some things with the the Wizards. So at least he seems like he's going to be on the way back. So hopefully, they're working with him. Uh, But to your point about uh, Denny last night. He you know the Hornets shot one for ten when he was involved in defending and he committed two fouls. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. Man. That's pretty good. And we're talking about ten shots in nineteen minutes that he defended. Man.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean he's he's locked down. He's locked down uh just don't don't have players attack them attack him for like fifteen or twenty shots like a la Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. You know, you just gotta manage it that way. But well, something I did want, I want to know your thoughts, right, because um, Rui's out. Obviously, I, I, saw the, I saw a snippet of the podcast Brad uh, did with um, Chris Miller, and Brad talks about how the team looks now, and they've yet to really uh, implement any offensive sets. And he looks towards the future by um, suggesting, imagine what would we look like once we introduce Thomas Bryan, once we introduce Mm -hmm. Rui, right? Mm -hmm. So the Rui thing is, Rui should be playing. Like, Rui, uh, besides personal reasons, like TB, we get it. You know, ACL injury, take your time, Mm -hmm. take your time. We have Gafford and Montrez here to hold the fork. Um, But the Rui thing was wondering, like, how do you feel about that situation? Like, how do you feel... Because what's happening with Rui could well, like, spin into a Ben Simmons situation. They'll not anywhere seem, like, apples to oranges. But the situation of a, a player has, like, a, a, mental, a mental health issue and then they very well could set out the entire season. Like, there are no guidelines yeah. or there are no standards for when to report, how to report, anything like that. So I just wanted to know, because yeah. we haven't talked about it on here. What are your thoughts for... Like about the Rui situation, then
0: I'll get you mine well i'm to be honest i'm I'm kind of glad like if somebody is dealing with something, whatever the issue is, I'm in favor of them getting it taken care of and I am glad that you know rui is is somebody who is at least able to speak up enough you know he's he's a, i guess got the confidence I, I I'm not even sure what the right word is here. But he at least put up the put up his hand and said, I need help, right? And with whatever it is. And I'm glad that he was able to do that. And I think part of the reason for that is that other players have come forward and talked about some of their own mental health issues and destigmatizing mental health issues, not just destigmatizing it, but eliminating, trying to eliminate some of the prejudice against it. To treating mental health as weakness instead of as illness, uh, for example, I think that those are all really positive things, and I it, I think that it's good that the wizards are trying to be supportive through this. That they're not putting pressure on him to get back out on the court, get back out on the court, get back out on the court. That they're trying to be supportive. You know, they're communicating with him and they're trying to help him overcome whatever it is so that he can get back out there obviously but also so that he can be you know a healthy fully functioning individual again i don't know what the problem is so yeah i'm i'm just sort of guessing at it it's, it's a little bit different than ben simmons because with ben simmons it started with some ill will you know some hurt feelings that does not seem to be the case with the wizards um you know with ben obviously he had a fear episode a, a, of anxiety, something like that during the playoffs on the court that everybody could see. And then there were some things that were said that upset him, which I think is understandable, but it's also, I I felt like the things that like Embiid said, the things that Doc Rivers said were more in the guy, in, in the vein of feedback than they were of, you're a bad person for this. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like yeah. they were being judgmental. I didn't think. Yeah. but yeah. So I I I think that there's just a world of difference with Ben Simmons. It seems like what he's really trying to do, it, it's it's a little bit more like he's doing uh, trying to pout and be annoying until they trade him. Yeah, and um, with Rui, is- it seems like he's got a legit
1: mental health yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that there is there is a mental health issue, yeah. whatever that may be, and he's working through it. And yeah,
1: my so- well, I, I agree with I agree with everything you said. Oh, and and I I think like. My, my thing is, like, I'm actually kind of upset with the Wizards in a bit. Like, if he's dealing with something, don't tell us fans anything until he's ready to come back. You know, like, oh, Rui's weeks away. Because a report came out about him allegedly not being around teammates or going to the facility. And then it was uh, refuted by another one of the beat reporters for the Wizards. And, you know, it just... It creates a divide. Like it, you, you turn you turn them into an object of, of opinion. So on one side it's, well, what's wrong with you? you you a basketball player. Uh, you should be playing. On the other side it's, well, you're going through something. So when the Wizards announced that he was going to miss training camp, um, he was going to miss the start of the season because of personal reasons, just leave it at that. Don't make any other announcement. Don't say anything. Just leave it at that. Because even now, like the, the fan pressure on them is already increasing. Like, oh, Rui's coming back. Rui's coming back. What if that tips yeah. him over? You know, like those type of things. And I, I just feel like, I agree with you, it's different in the situation. Um, it's different on a factual situation from the Ben Simmons one. But I guess the similarity is, like, now a player's mental health can stymie uh, an entire season. You can't force a player back. You, you can't denigrate the player even you know you can you can try to do it how how Philly's doing it you know cast aspirations aspersions on whether um, you believe the player or not force them like allegedly now you can force them to meet with a team doctor uh, as Philly had Philly did in order for um, Ben Simmons to get paid and I just think you create a nasty scenario when teams are with the uh, the public, opinion and what's going on especially on social media I mean think about whoever runs the Wizards social media account pretty sure all of the negative things that get said about players underneath that thread within those comments is seen by someone and now mm-hmm. when you're announcing well Rui's coming back He'll, he's two weeks away he's practicing us fans me included it's like okay when is his ass going to be out there and then we mm-hmm. tend to we put in the background all the stuff that got him to where he is now, the mental health, yeah. the issue. So that that's my thing. I, I No, nothing controversial. I'm just really upset with the Wizards. Just don't announce anything. He comes back, boom, we celebrate and Welcome back, Really, He'll come back on his own terms. But think about it. If he's practicing
0: now. Yeah, I will say as a PR guy, I, I actually think that the team needs to – go ahead and provide updates. And the reason for it is because if they don't, it's going to get reported anyway. Um, because, the you know, these beat writers, beat reporters, they, they have their sources. They talk to people in, on, and around the team. And stuff is going to get reported anyway. Like, the whole thing about mental health did not come from the team. That came from sources that mm-hmm. were reported. And... So for the team to come out and say, you know, he's going to be back in two weeks, I think is, or whatever, you know, whatever they say about it. I kind of think it's the way they have to do it considering how public the whole thing is in that, because if they don't, then people start asking questions. You don't know what's going to get out there. So you might as well get out there. I think you get out there first with your story. And just as an example, I had a conversation years ago with some of the people with the Wizards about the whole GunGate thing, you know, the Gilbert Arenas thing, and how that story broke. And I really felt like, I mean, I had the benefit of Monday morning quarterbacking on this, but I felt like what the team needed to do was to basically hold a press conference and announce it. I wrote something for True Hoop, um, ESPN, Henry Abbott, at the time it was ESPN for uh, Henry Abbott's True Hoop. And um, I, I wrote about how, you know, get out there with, with the story because the story that ended up getting reported was by Peter Vesey and, you know, Peter's a good guy and all that kind of stuff. But it was also kind of salacious. It made it sound like it was, you know, shoot out at the OK Corral, right? And um, the Wizards could have controlled the narrative at least a little bit, gotten first out there first with the story that, you know, oh it was a prank gone wrong prank taken too far, which, you know, anybody who knew Gilbert or knew about Gilbert would surely know that a prank could go way too far with Gilbert Arenas without too much provocation at all, right? And so call a press conference, I don't know about call a press conference, but you put the story out on your own in some way, whether that's through a friendly media member or through, you know, publishing it, basically publishing the story yourself. But you don't leave it to sources. you know sources to tell Peter Vesey and let Peter Vesey cover it in like, you know, a, a, one of those New York tabloids. I forget where he wrote, whether it was New York Post or New York, uh, uh, whatever the tabloids are up there, I forget. But you, you don't leave it for that. And so that's all I'm saying. Is that fair we've...
1: enough. No, that's, 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 that's the other point of view on it. No, that's a fair take.
0: Anyway, so um, we did have one listener question. And he wanted us to talk. We've touched on it. We've brushed against it. Um, But he wanted us to talk a little bit about how we could, how we saw the Wizards incorporating, uh, you know, Rui and Thomas Bryant when they get back. And at this point now, Davis Bertans as well. And um, so why don't we go ahead and wrap up on that?
1: Okay. What do you think? This is going to be a tough one. Like Rui, obviously, you you drop KCP to the bench or or Kuzma, and you give the lion's share of those minutes to to uh, to Rui. For Davis, you get rid of him. You trade him now. Like I've 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 been speculating on who we can actually get for Davis, who will build up our team. And I know Lou Dort's gonna get paid. If not this year, next year, he's he's gonna get paid. Because he's figured out the offensive side, and with the defense and the offense, I want him on my team any day. That trade actually works, sending him Davis for uh, Rui. I mean, for for Lou Dort. So perhaps we can finesse uh, OKC to do that. But if I had to put him back into the lineup, um, I would say maybe spot minutes. Maybe he comes out there. Uh, when Trez is on the court, like he, he plays he gives spacing for Trez to operate uh one on one, dumping down to Trez a little bit more, seems like what we what we do when he's out there or he cuts and, you know, he uses Davis as a distraction to free him up some space. So he's not going against uh like the towers inside. Um Thomas Bryant, that's a tough one, right? Like the last we seen him play, it wasn't the most, like the Russ, Thomas, Rui, um, the Russ, Thomas, Rui, Bill, and I forget who was the fifth, the other starter last year. I've Avdia there
0: early in the season.
1: And early in the season, yeah, Denny. Yeah, it, it, it didn't quite, it was a clunky fit, right? And, but, do, like, not because Thomas, like, because, like, like Brian is bad, like, he provides space and He actually won us the game against, uh, Brooklyn on that, um, I think uh, Bill had an amazing crossover, dished it off to 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 Thomas, like for Bryant to put a dunk. Um, he fits. It's just like I'm so used to Gafford, and I'm so um, worn down by the images of Lynn, you know, banging and bruising inside, side. Captain okay. Hook throwing up the hooks. It's just like I haven't been able to picture what would he look like in his offense. So now I'm doing it for the first time. Let's see. You take out Gafford and you put him in. Well, you already say we can't, uh, we don't create enough open shots, and then we don't make the open shots that we do create. Well, we're about mm-hmm. to be giving up, and he's if he's anchoring the defense, we're about to give up a lot of open shots. He's not that good of a defender yet, and with a knee injury, his mobility, mm-hmm. you assume is going to be downward. But nevertheless, uh, I think he could he could fit on the team on like some some micro ball. Or, like, some huge lineups. Like, again, you put Dinwiddie at the 1, Bill at the 2, Rui at the 3, him at the 4, Gafford at the 5. And you just call it a day. Besides, all we do is shoot out from deep anyway. And we don't need the spacing because we're not creating wide-open shots as it is. So, perhaps he could work in there. But that's just how... Like that's just like that's just again me answering a question. If the question mm-hmm. was a bit tailored to what would I do, uh, two of those fellas are being traded immediately. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with you that a trade would be a good idea. This is something we talked about. They got a bunch of forwards, right? And now they have th- uh, three centers on the roster. They've got a bunch of forwards, and all of the forwards are kind of in that what you, what you would call a mid, right? They're all just kind of guys and um, Davis could help the offense if he... Well, he he helps the offense when he plays because other teams fear his three-point shooting so much. So they don't want to help off him as much. So that would give them a dynamic that, that they don't have right now. But when you put him on the floor, you have to take somebody off. And so that means likely that it's Contavious Cole Pope. But Pope's a, you know, Pope's a good defender, and he has some, does some other things. He doesn't do a lot of them, but he does some other things. He can handle the ball a little bit. You know, he can, he's a more rangy defender. He's a more effective defender. You know, Davis just shoots threes. That's all he does. Um, So, or you're taking minutes from Avdia most likely, which means that you're, 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 you're losing the defense, right? Because that's what, that's what Abdiya does well. Um, or you sit down Kuzma, and again you're losing defense, you're losing rebounding, <laughs> um, you're getting better, more reliable three-point shooting, but you're losing a lot of other things that uh, Kuzma does. Or you sit down Hachimura, in which case you know it's the same it's the same kind of thing where you're you're losing you know at least Hachimura's on-ball defense where he's better than than Bertans. With Bryant, it's interesting because he he definitely can help them offensively. He's a terrific uh, pick and roll partner. Um, it's a little challenging to know what it would have looked like with Westbrook, because Westbrook, of course, was hurt when uh, you know with the, the playing through that thigh contusion or quad contusion, and um, then Bryant hurt his knee and was gone. He never got to play with a healthy Westbrook. So it would have been really interesting to see those two working together and pick and roll. He Bryant did have really good. Pick and roll uh, chemistry with Beal. And the thing that Bryant can give in pick and roll that uh, Harrell and Gafford cannot is the ability to to do different things. So both Gafford and Harrell are dive guys. They have to go to the rim because they can't That's do it. anything else, right? Yeah. Uh, Bryant can do, you know, he can play the short roll. He can play pick and pop. He can roll the basket. He finishes around the rim as well as... Uh, either Gafford or Harold does that, you know, he's a terrific finish, finisher around the rim and he's also can, can go out and shoot threes at a high level. So, you know, he can set that screen and do different things that force the defense to adjust. And he also uh, had gotten good and, and reading what he should do. So, you know, he, everybody's got their, their roots that they're supposed to run and that kind of stuff. But, he has that ability to decide whether or not, you know, once he sets that screen, whether he's going to fade, whether he's going to roll, whether he's going to short roll, whether he's going to go all the way to the rim. And so because he can vary it and he can read what the defense is doing, he, he does add some offensive dimension. He's also a decent passer, especially when he off that short roll. So in that respect, he can help. But to play him, you've got to cut into the minutes for Gafford or for Harrell and that's challenging. So I do think that uh, a trade is warranted, and you know, packaging two or three of the forwards, forwards slash, or you know, like a couple forwards in a center or a forward in a center for a wing, you know, like a even like a Harrison Barnes. I, I think Dort would be an interesting guy. Um, he still is shooting only about what twenty nine percent from three, but he does defend. And, um, so he's interesting on that level, but if you do that, then KCP can go into what I have said and been talking about, I think is his ideal role, which is being a backup shooting guard for Beal for you know 12 minutes a game, and then being a backup small forward for 12 minutes a game. And, you know, then he's that that's about it. Right. And uh, I think that's his ideal role. So I, I do think that the best way to incorporate. Returning players is to make a trade that consolidates two or three of them into hopefully a better version of of yeah. a, a better wing. Yeah, what well, we
1: have. Yeah, like, yeah. See, the yeah. thing is, the best wing would, would be uh, the best wing for us would be Grant, right? But you know, no one's taking those three for Grant. Maybe we'll have to throw in a pick to bring him back home to the D.C. area. So I mean Lou Dort, I'm, I'm I'm just infatuated with Lou Dort. I think Dort would yeah. would do wonders like on our on our squad. It's just um with Davis, Thomas, and well I I wouldn't trade Rui. <laughs> I wouldn't trade Rui. With with Davis, Thomas, and I don't know, Neto. Like with well, that net us, Dort, who knows? But that's what I would yeah. do. And it's unfortunate. Like all the points you make, like that. That's like especially when it comes to Thomas Bryant, it's true. Like, you we really didn't see him with a healthy Westbrook, so I'll retract yeah. that it was a clunky fit. No, I forgot we were hurt, we were banged up yeah. at the beginning of the year. It's just that I mean, like, you I don't think Daniel Gaffer and Montrez Harrell has more trade value than Thomas Bryant. Like, I would keep Bryant, like, I, would, he, I think he's better than both of those guys as a player. It's just mm-hmm. like who has the more trade value? And, and yeah. I mean, in, in terms of like sensibly building around, like obviously it's Trez, like he's on the expiring deal. Mm-hmm. But like, I, th- that's who I would, uh, like I would keep him realistically, but in my opinion, he has uh, more trade value. Um, Davis, I mean, yeah, like what you say, every team needs shooting. So someone will, you know, believe that they can get out of him what we haven't. And, Although they'll be wrong, I'll gladly let them try it. Like send it, send his ass back to San Antonio or something. Get him out of here, man. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out of here. And that's no knock to him. Like, like you know, he's he's good for what he's good at. It's just this team isn't a title contender. We don't need a luxury player, and he's just mm-hmm. a luxury player. We need like grind and grit type players.
0: Yeah, this is a, a point I've, I've made a, a lot. Through the years and i will probably like on my deathbed be saying this but you know like in the nfl right you can have a pass rushing specialist you can have a run stopping specialist you can have uh offensive linemen who are like good at run blocking and you can have offensive linemen who are good at pass blocking you know the the washington football team used to have you know like john riggins would be their first and second down running back where he because he could run the ball. And then, you know, third and short, third and five, whatever, then you'd get like Kelvin Bryan or Joe Washington or you know, these pass catching specialists out of the out of the backfield would come into the game, right? And so you can do all that because you have all these stoppages in play and you can substitute in baseball, you right? You pinch hitters, you can have relief pitchers for you know come in for one or two batters or something like that. In basketball, you gotta take the whole guy. And so Davis helps because he's a great shooter, but he also hurts because he doesn't do anything else, and um, get him that, out of here. Man. That's the challenge. Yeah. Don't that's don't waste
1: challenge. don't waste any more words on him. Get him out of here. <laughs> thank you for your service. Like get him out. Yeah. Of here. Him hey, out. and that is a great
0: way to end because thank you for your service. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, and so um, I think we're both thankful that the wizards are interesting and entertaining this year, and hopefully they will continue to do that to be those things. We're going to be thankful for what they are. And uh, we're going to Thanksgiving with trying to hold that attitude, especially if they can beat the crap out of the world with the Pelicans.